The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or closing, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Six seventy, the scores, hockey guy Jay Zawaski. No more, Hawks win, Hawks win again. Chris Jelios in overtime. Part of Blue Wire Podcasts. Came off the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the tape. A game-winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. Falling back, Sobel drives, gets it from The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Sins In-Law Group, let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, of course, as always, is the one, the only, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. Jay, things have finally calmed down just a little bit in Blackhawksville. Still plenty of stuff to talk about, but isn't it nice they haven't made any stupidly huge <laughs> transactions in the last, like, two days? Yes, it's nice not to have to do seven podcasts a week. That's a nice thing. And I love doing them, and I know you do too, but last week was, that was wild, man. That was a wild week of podcasts, and yeah, it's definitely slowed down. I saw Ben Pope said on Twitter that apparently Stan Bowman's triple espresso has weared off, and he's <laughs> he's back to his normal docile self. So good news for people in the news industry. Uh, lots of good stuff to get to today, though, like you mentioned. First and foremost, make sure you're following us on Twitter at MadhousePod. Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. We're on Facebook, of course, Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Look us up. Uh, our tea public shop has a sale going until the end of the week. $13 classic teas. Uh-huh. Up to 35% off everything else in the store. That includes phone cases, coffee mugs, stickers, masks, whatever you're looking for. With our logo or our designs on it, you can find it. And the cool thing about tea public is if you want a black our logo on a blue shirt, on a pink shirt, on a purple shirt, you can do that. You can customize everything. So check the link in our social media bios for the direct link to our T public shop. Real quick, you can hear my voice. I've got a little cold. I took a COVID test today. I don't have COVID. <laughs> so Good. it's just a little summer head cold, which I get every year. Uh, but I, I apologize in advance for the quality of my voice and the quality of my want- content. I did a want to say hope you're feeling better, buddy. And B, the T public thing totally got my T-shirts today. Oh, Laura, nice! Laura ordered one with our uh, new Madhouse logo on it. Looks really sweet. I ended up getting the Team USA uh, Nintendo ice hockey <laughs> I design. Um, I did not get the Detroit Sucks design, but that is still uh, that's still on the radar. So yeah, definitely check out the shop very uh pleased with the purchase yeah cool so i got the it's funny i got the team usa ice hockey one too i got it in royal blue and the uh tri-blend tea and it just looks awesome and it's super comfortable so yeah check out our tea public shop it's really great uh great deals and it, and it supports the podcast at the same time so everybody wins okay so the big news is since we last spoke and i did a little short podcast but this first time you and i are together mark andre flurry is in he will be the blackhawks goaltender next season and he was able to meet the media today and he was asked the question 
by the Daily Herald's John Dietz. What changed? What was that moment for you that made you decide to play with the Blackhawks? I, I don't know, honestly. It's <laughs> just sleeping. Uh, good night's sleep, right? Uh, I of all those after, like, I think just talking uh, with, like I said, different guys and talking, talking with the staff and um, talking with the family also, right, to see what's, what was good for, for everyone and thinking things through it. I think it just adds up and then, like, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's worth it. It's exciting and um yeah so i don't think it was like one thing that made uh, everything uh, change hi mark uh, you kind of touched on this but I- i'm curious about the human side of all this and you know you said you said this is the first time you've been traded and you've seen so many other guys get traded what was it like being on the other side of that knowing that you're the one suddenly being uprooted and your family being the one yeah i feel uh felt pretty lucky that i didn't have to move um so many times you know like a lot of guys have to do it and uh, it's, it's not an easy thing, right? And, um, it's okay. It's, it's stressful, right? It's a process trying to, uh, find somewhere comfortable for your family to, to be in, um, I feel like a good school or, uh, I don't know. I think there's, there's lots in there for them, right? And I've been very lucky to play for a long time and have one too, right? So I feel sometimes I gotta think not about me all, all the time, right? And, um, but you know, everybody was, was good with me, you know, playing again and, um, kids are excited to go. Wife's excited to go. So there you go. He is a, he's a hawk and it's, <laughs> it's something that I don't think that you and I were very, uh, certain would happen. And a lot of people weren't. Um, and if you listen to Stan Bowman the other day, he mentioned too, that Flurry was very grateful for the space and time the Hawks gave him to make his decision. They didn't hound him. They didn't press him. They didn't, you know, make him make it, you know, give them an answer. Um, and it worked out. So very good news. And the Hawks are a better team. And before we get to breaking it down, James, I when I hear Marc-Andre Fleury talk, he talks like a, like another famous Blackhawk figure. Nick Jalmerson. Okay, I can hear that. I hear, now it's not so much in the vocal tone, but in a way of talking a little bit like Dennis Savard. Oh, that's like, a good one. A too, little yeah. bit like through the teeth, a little bit like you hear this, like behind the teeth a little bit. And mm-hmm. he, he's also the guy. He's a he's a right after his thoughts guy, right? And then right. you know I had to talk to my wife, right? And I, <laughs> I like <laughs> I like I don't know why I thought his uh, his vocal tones were very interesting, but a little bit like savvy in that talking behind the teeth sort of way. And I wonder if it's that you know obviously uh, French is the native language. I wonder if that's some sort of adjustment. It was interesting. Anyway, was. the Hawks are a better team now. Discuss. <laughs> uh, the the other uh, significant thing to kind of come out of all of the Marc-Andre Fleury news the last couple of days is Stan Bowman actually saying that they don't have to make any additional moves. They are salary. They'll be salary cap compliant on opening day. They don't have to necessarily do anything. So ostensibly, that would mean you don't have to trade a Calvin DeHaan if you don't want to. You don't have to potentially bury the contract of a Brett Conley. Like they are very confident they're going to be able to get the deals done with Alex Nylander and Brandon Hagel to be able to get them into the fold without having to 
potentially make any other moves to become cap compliant. I thought that was really interesting from Stan Bowman. And as I've said before, especially with the NBA salary cap, these guys get paid a lot of money to make sure that these teams are salary cap compliant. And if Stan Bowman says they're going to be able to do it, I just have to take him at his word for it. And I think that that's going to be really helpful to the Blackhawks defense to have that extra veteran presence there. And then obviously to be able to get uh, Nylander and Hagel both under contract and to kind of bolster that forward group. You mentioned them being compliant and having Calvin DeHaan here. And I really don't hate that idea. And I know, I think some people might be thinking like, wait a minute, last year you guys were all about letting the kids play and all that stuff. Last year was a bit of a different situation. Uh, yeah, right. You it had, definitely was. You had Jonathan Taves out. That's $10.5 million, right? You had uh, an aging core that was not really playing. We didn't know what the situation was with Seabrook, but you were pretty sure he wasn't going to play. Um, so it was a year to kind of give some young guys a look. Now that they've determined, and I don't know if this is correct or not, but, but they've certainly determined it's time to try to win again. Um with Jones and McCabe and with obviously Marc-Andre Fleury and some of the other big moves they made. Now it makes sense to keep Calvin DeHaan around for at four and a half million. That's a guy who's going to provide some veteran leadership, some stability on the left side. It bumps Jake McCabe down and that creates a true shutdown pair with him and Connor Murphy. Love it. So I, I kind of like it. And if things like we said on podcast prior, then if things start to fall apart or You've got a kid in Rockford like Bodan or Stillman or Kalnick or whoever is next on your tab for for defense in the NHL. If they start playing great and you can't keep them down anymore, then you can make that trade. I don't yep. think there's any reason to just pull the ripcord just to get rid of a salary you don't have to get rid of right now. I mean, they're totally approaching this season as they're ready to win now. And I talked about this a little bit on the Cannons and Tomahawks podcast, the interview Ooh. I did yesterday. Alex and Zach, both really uh, nice guys, had a lot, really good conversation about the Blackhawks. And we kind of mentioned that the expectations for the team are definitely different than they were last season. Last season was we're rebuilding, we're developing. That's what Jeremy Collinson's here to do is to develop the youth and to get the most out of them. Now it's all about winning now, and that's obviously going to raise expectations for Jeremy Colleton, but it also changes the expectations of the construction of the roster. And I think that with both Calvin DeHaan and Connor Murphy entering the final seasons of their respective contracts, I do think that the Blackhawks will eventually broach the idea of an extension with Connor Murphy. I think that'd be something they would be interested in doing. He's only 28 years old. He's making $3.85 million. I can't imagine that he's going to command somewhere in the ballpark of like a six or seven million dollar deal I don't really foresee that happening but if as long as you have those guys on fairly reasonable contracts and you kind of have these logical partners for them on the defense I mean I can easily see Tahan pairing up with Seth Jones and Jake McCabe pairing up with Connor Murphy and I think those are two really strong NHL defensive pairings and I think that that immediately improves your defense to have that kind of firepower and that kind of ability on those two pairings. I think it totally makes sense to keep Calvin DeHaan and yeah, there's still a ton of injury concerns, but if worst case scenario happens and DeHaan gets hurt, you have a couple options. You can either move McCabe up to play with Seth Jones. You could potentially have Riley Stillman slide up into that spot. Wyatt Kalnick's kind of the same thing. Hell, you could have Seth Jones play with Caleb Jones if you really wanted to get adventurous. So I think that the Black have given themselves a little bit of roster flexibility in terms of the guys they can kind of mix and match together. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, at the end of the day, having those quality top two 
pairings is something worth preserving. And I think ultimately makes a guy like Calvin Hahn a little bit more important for the Blackhawks to have. All right, we've, we've both used the words compete. We've both used the words win. It's time to compete. It's time to win. Let's define that, right? What does that mean? I think when I'm talking about this, I, I think contention for a playoff spot, I think not making the playoffs is a failure this year. Absolutely. Based on the money you committed, based on the players you have, you need to make the playoffs. And look, if, you know, and I think there's so many question marks and we're going to spend all off season talking about those question marks, but it sounds like Jonathan Taves will be ready or close to ready for the start of the season. If he's 80% of what he typically was, this is a pretty formidable group of players. Mm-hmm. We already mentioned the defensive pairs and the defensive depth. You've got to brink it coming off. I mean, the best season of his career by far yeah. looking like a legitimate two way presence, a guy who can play in all situations. You've got Patrick Kane, who should be healthier this year is playing with an injury. We didn't know about until the season was over. You know, I think we, we often forget about Dominic Kubelik for some reason, a guy who scored 30 goals in this league before Hagel in his second year, Kuris in his second year. And remember, Alex Nylander, who everyone likes to scoff at, is 23. Yep. And is gonna he's going to have a new contract, but that's a guy who could surprise some people and could force some people out. And that's a guy who you can sort of bounce up and down your lines, too, where in a pinch, you've got some offense where needed. So I really think that this roster is probably better than they get the credit for. Now, whether or not everything goes right, you know what I mean? That that remains to be seen. But this team definitely should make the playoffs or at least be right there. And it wouldn't, you know, winning a playoff round is tough because if they're going to be a, a bottom seed, they're going to have a, a really tough matchup. But to be competitive in a playoff series, I think that's, to me, that is the least expectation. I, and I'm assuming the NHL is going to stick with the um, eight playoff spots for both the West and the East and the top three from each division make it. And then the remaining two are wild cards. If that's ultimately what the NHL does, and I think that is what they're going to do. Look, I think that if you look at the central division, there's a really strong argument to be made that five of the eight playoff teams from the Western Conference are going to come from the central. I mean, you look at the Pacific outside of Vegas and probably Vancouver, what Edmonton is probably your three seed. I think that LA maybe has a chance to make a little bit of a jump this season. Other than that, I don't really see a team that really kind of blows my socks off in the Pacific division. I think the Blackhawks very easily end up fitting into that playoff conversation. And to a point that you made, about expectations, I think if you're spending up to the salary cap, if you went out and got a $7 million goaltender, you went out and signed a defenseman that's going to be making $9.5 million a season beginning next year, yep. I think, A, Stan Bowman's job seems pretty secure from a hockey perspective. I don't think ownership would be allowing him to give out those kinds of contracts and make those kinds of decisions if they didn't expect him to be in charge for a while here. I think Jeremy Colleton's seat is a whole lot hotter now, and if the Blackhawks don't make the playoffs, like barring just a catastrophic run of injuries or whatever it would be that would cause them not to, I could easily see a change behind the bench happening. I think that Colleton's seat gets a little bit hotter even with the new extension that he has just based on the moves that they've made and the expectations of where they are going to end up when all is said and done. It feels to me... And this is just kind of a gut feeling, kind of an observational feeling, and maybe you disagree. I feel like 
firing Jeremy Cowton in the middle of the season next year, if things get off to a slow start, like you said, that doesn't hurt Stan Bowman as much as it would have maybe last year. I, I think that it just is over and over again, ownership giving him votes of confidence, whether it was the confidence to be able to say that he was going to rebuild the organization, the confidence that was required to allow him to give out the contracts that he gave out to Seth Jones and to Jake McCabe and to others this offseason. I think it's very clear that ownership is giving him the seal of approval and they're going along with what he's saying they should do. Whether or not that's the right decision obviously can be debated ad nauseum by Blackhawk fans, but I think that the signals are pretty clear and I think that he we used to think that he was kind of tied to the fate of Jeremy Colleton, especially after he gave him the extension. I'm not so positive about that. It feels like the organization is really committed to Stan's vision for this team. Yeah. And, and you know, if you knew you were going to have a couple lean years and you thought, mm, maybe this guy is an up and comer, maybe we catch lightning in a bottle, give him a try when we know we're not really in a spot to win. And then you quickly determine, okay, this isn't the guy and you make a move midseason. I don't know if that again, like you said, it doesn't it just doesn't feel like Bowman and Calton are so tied together anymore. And when when 12 months ago, it definitely had that feeling. Um, we we're going to get to the uh Brad Aldrich situation in the second half of this podcast, and obviously that may or may not have an impact on Stan Bowman's future with the club. Uh, I'm going to doubt it one way or the other. I think I don't know, I don't want to speculate, but it just it just doesn't feel like his job's in any danger whatsoever. Uh, for better or worse, for me that's worse because, and that's why I emphasized <laughs> yeah. on I from an on no, ice yeah. perspective. Yeah. Yes, you did. Um, but the other thing I wanted to mention too, some of the news we saw this weekend. It wasn't really technically news, but Alex Debrinka gets married, and social media from Adam Boquist's Instagram and Brandon Hagel's Instagram. There's the captain, Jonathan Taves, getting after it <laughs> at Alex Debrinka's <laughs> wedding, and good for him, man. If he's feeling good enough to go and party at a wedding, that is a good sign for Hawks fans. However, I just want to tell you, Hawks fans, that if he's not ready to start the season, please don't look back on that and be like, this guy, he's good enough to get drunk at a wedding. He should be able to play hockey. It's it's not quite that simple, but I yeah. think it is a good sign that he's out and about. He was also at Lollapalooza this weekend, so Taves is on the world tour right now. So I think that can only mean he's feeling better. And uh, Marc-Andre Fleury sort of alluded to it in his press conference, too, that he saw Taves and he said Taves looks good. Taves looks better. I don't know if he used the word good or better or whatever it was, but he, he referenced that Taves looked kind of ready to go. So that's Didn't good I see too. a report that Taves helped to recruit Fleury to play in Chicago as well? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. That, there is, you go. that is true. So he's clearly taking an active interest in getting guys to want to buy in and play in Chicago so I don't think he would be doing that unless he was anticipating playing and obviously with his uh, health issues there's always the possibility of a setback but it does seem like Jonathan Taves is definitely heading back in that direction I know Stan Bowman hedged his bets a little bit after the draft and after free agency and was kind of hemming and hawing a little bit I think that is very typical Stan Bowman speak I think that the Blackhawks are very optimistic about where Jonathan Taves is. Yeah, I mean, Stan has nothing to gain by saying, yep, Taves is ready, and then if he's not, then it looks awful, right? I think right. the way he's doing it right now by saying, yeah, you know, we'll see day by day, but things are pointing in the right direction, sort of keeping it vague is is very, very smart. So I think he's, he's handling it correctly. Um, all right, 
that that center group is all of a sudden really freaking formidable. You look at Taves, yeah. you look at obviously Kirby Doc, you look at Tyler Johnson, then you look at guys like Gaudette, Borgstrom, Kara. I mean, there are some real good options up the middle. Deliberately left Dylan Strom out of that. I think he ultimately <laughs> moves to the wing or he gets traded. I still think that that happens. Yeah, the Hawks have, and Stan Bowman mentioned this the other day, three forwards that can't play center. That's kind of crazy that you actually no. I'm sorry, it's four. Uh, it's Hagel. Yep. Neilander. Yep. It's uh, Kublik. Yep. And Kane. The Brinkett cannot play center. He's done Come it before. On. He's played Come a little bit of center. Okay, fine. Then I'll give Boo. you that one. Then five. He's done it though. I'm saying I don't want him. to. No, I don't like, either at all. But man. okay. But still, five center, yeah. <laughs> five guys that can't. That's but, it's a great. It, they have incredible versatility at that position. You are absolutely correct about that. All right, let's do this. We're going to take a timeout. We come back. We're going to talk about uh, the latest with the Brad Aldrich situation. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about our legal expert, Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney, Kent opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases. If you fall at work, you get in a car accident, something bad happens to you because of someone else's negligence, Kent is the lawyer for you. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for his clients. Simpson Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. Call now for a free consultation, 312-332-2107 or visit SimpsonLawGroup.com. Don't go off sides, go top shelf. Call now. That is Simpson, S-I-N-S-O-N, LawGroup.com. And make sure when you call Kent, you let him know you heard about him on the Madhouse podcast. And if you haven't been injured at work, try to get injured at work so you can use Kent and then put a good word in for us. Come on. And get money. Fall off a ladder. Have a forklift stab you or something. Help us out here. (laughs) I mean, if you're not going to do that, at least do the T public thing. That's the if you if you're not willing to fall off a ladder at work for us, the least you can do is buy a T-shirt. Do Jeez. we need to like consult him for some legal advice because we may have just encouraged people Hold to on, yeah. harm themselves? Disclaimer, do not intentionally injure yourself at work. Do not do any of the things Jay just said. The Madhouse podcast is not responsible for any injuries incurred at work. Okay, I think we're covered. All I right. wonder if he would represent us in such a suit. I really hope that he would. I, I, can you see like me in like the neck the neck roll? Oh my god. I fell off my I fell off my chair while podcasting. Yep. I'm suing myself. For not having a good enough chair. Sue your wife. I bet that would go over like gangbusters. Oh, man. I, this chair. I love this chair. I got it at Costco. I had bought a chair. Like, I don't know if I told this story. on. I told this on the MFAT podcast, but I haven't told it here. So I bought like a leather office chair at the beginning of the pandemic. And I'm like, all right, this is fine. It was like super cheap at Walmart, but it was making my butt sweat. Like it was kind of like fake leather. So a month later. <laughs> I'm in Costco and I see like one of those nice mesh ones. I'm like, oh, I want that. I'll just return the Walmart one. So I literally wheel the old leather chair into Walmart with my receipt. I'm like, I'd like to return this. Right? Like, Do you have a box or anything? I'm like, nah. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, whatever. Here's your money back. So <laughs> it was a good scam pulled by me. Don't tell anyone. But if I need representation on that one, Kent's got my back. All right, let's take a time out. We'll come back and talk about some of the ugliness going on with the Blackhawks. God forbid we have fun on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, friends. We have been talking about some Marc-Andre Fleury action. We've been talking about the roster construction, the depth, and all of that fun stuff. Unfortunately, there is another headline that continues to uh, percolate in Blackhawksville, I guess you would call it, and that is the ongoing saga, the lawsuits against uh, the team regarding the Brad Aldrich situation. Do have a few um, minor updates on that that uh, Jay's going to get to here, but obviously kind of casts a pall over a lot of what's going on with the Blackhawks right now in terms of the on-ice stuff that's been kind of exciting recently. Yeah, and look, if you're trying to keep up on this thing, there are people way more qualified than me uh, and James to do this. Uh, Mark Lazarus, Scott Powers, and Katie Strang are killing it for the athletic. Obviously, Rick Westhead from TSN is doing a wonderful job documenting this. And, and you know, the thing that really – I mean, look, this is a horrible situation top to bottom, right? But I think a lot of us for a while were like, well, maybe not all the players knew or they know the extent – or whatever, now we're getting allegations that the victim was bullied by their teammates. And that, to me, is just like, man, any sort of disbelief I was suspending for this thing, like, oh, you know, maybe they know, or maybe they just, you know, they saw he was fired, so they thought everything was taken care of. No, no. The fact that they call the victim of this thing homophobic slurs, and we don't have names for the people that were doing it, but... It's, it's really tough. And then you had Brent Sopel and, or I'm sorry, Nick Boynton naming Brian Campbell and Patrick Sharp and Patrick Kane as guys who knew it's just, it's just so ugly. And, and that really, when you get the specific player names, it, it just, I don't know that, that made it that much harder to swallow. It's very easy for me to be like, screw John McDonough, screw Stan Bowman, screw Al McIsaac. But when it's these guys who we've grown up you know, watching win and if, you know, we just saw it, like how people felt when all those Cubs were traded last week, it hurts and you feel a connection to these guys. And the more detail that comes out, the less connected I feel that it's to those teams. And it's really, really tough to take. So the latest news is Danny Wirtz in an internal memo sent to Blackhawks employees reveals that the findings of the internal investigation will be made public. Now, your initial thought is great transparency, right? Well, for legal experts have chimed in since that news broke, and, and they can say that that can sometimes have a negative effect on the investigation because if everything's public, not everybody's willing to talk. If player A or player B doesn't want their name on the record, right? They don't want their name revealed to Hawks fans that they knew and they participated or whatever or said nothing, whatever the situation may be, they're going to be less willing to talk. Whereas if the findings are kept private you're going to have people who are more willing to speak up and, and speak the truth. So mm. I think if I'm flipping, you know, if I'm choosing an outcome here, I think the transparency is better and hopefully you get enough people to step up and speak out and say what happened. And if enough of the stories, you know, line up, then, then there's something here. And I think, you know, Nick Boynton in his piece with TSN said he talked with the investigators for about 45 minutes and he felt good about the conversation and he felt good that the investigators were going to do a fair job because he said they were clearly disgusted by many of the things he was describing to them. So hopefully the law firm does a good job and a fair job and doesn't just side with the people that are paying them and they truly get to the bottom of this awful, awful story. I mean, and that's clearly the thing we've been worried about since day one when they made the announcement that the Blackhawks are going to be handling the investigation instead of the NHL. I did want to 
address a little bit of the concern that I saw expressed by some hockey fans that the league was so quick to uh, jump in with an investigation into the Evander Kane gambling allegations that his ex-wife made that he had gambled on NHL games, that a lot of people thought there was some hypocrisy there, that the NHL was so willing and ready to investigate that. But this incident, these incidents with Brad Aldridge, they're totally fine allowing the Blackhawks to investigate. And I do think that that was a valid argument that there was some hypocrisy there. So I did want to kind of throw that just kind of into the bloodstream and just to kind of get, you know, Blackhawk fans thinking about that. But I think I echo a lot of the sentiments that you had about the idea of publishing all of this information. I mean, the thing that we've wanted from the word jump is transparency and ultimately accountability. And I hope that that doesn't change the fact that there needs to be accountability in this. They need to reveal who knew what, who failed to act, who um, tried to act and was shut down. Like all of these things, all of this needs to come to light. All of this needs to be addressed by the Blackhawks and by the NHL and action needs to be taken. And I think ultimately that's going to be the barometer of whether or not I feel like this investigation was done fairly and done properly. And I hope that the release of this information to the public doesn't, you know, indicate that the people who participated in this probe or whatever are going to ultimately end up getting a slap on the wrist or not getting punished at all. I just really hope that the investigation turns up the results that we are hoping that it does. Yeah. The truth, the truth is what matters. Right. And I think you and I have done a good job of, of using the terms we need to use allegedly and alleged and all those sort of things. Um, but it's just, I don't know. I, those memories will never be taken away, right? Like those cups happened. We saw it. We witnessed it. Those, we saw them skate around the ice with them, you know, that it happened and, that, and that's not going to go away. And I just think we see a lot of times on social media with anything, anytime a player's name is questioned or whatever, people snap back because they're fans. These are just guys, man. They're just 23 year old kids at the time who are doing some dumb stuff, saying some dumb stuff, thinking some dumb stuff. They're not perfect. And maybe they've changed in the last 10 years. Maybe they haven't. But it's just is another reminder of like, just because someone is good at sports or a great musician or a great actor or whatever doesn't mean they're without their flaws doesn't mean they don't need to be held to a standard and uh hopefully this investigation does that there's only two guys left on the team from the from the stanley cup era uh well from that specific portion of the era yeah right three if you want to count andrew shaw as part of the organization but it's just it's just ugly and i don't know if it, it does it feel like it's ramping down to you does it feel like they're starting to wrap things up because you know you've got you know, Danny Wirtz saying, Hey, these are going to be made public. I wonder if we're getting close to a conclusion here. Oh, it's a good question. It, it obviously, we wanted a prompt and kind of thorough investigation. We didn't want this to kind of get buried. I think the Blackhawks personally want to get this information out as soon as they can to kind of begin to put this story behind them. And obviously I'm not going to comment on whether or not that's a valid thing. I don't want them to just put it behind them and forget about it. I want them to learn from it and to take action. But I feel like it's it does kind of have that feel that this is moving towards some type of a resolution. I keep saying that I think what ends up happening is they end up settling with the players that filed these lawsuits, and then they end up releasing the um, findings of the investigation, and they take whatever actions they're going to take, and we're going to be left to kind of evaluate it, and there will still be, I think, some – 
kind of murkiness about the details, it'll kind of always be the Patrick Kane sexual assault. I think that obviously never really came to much of a resolution since there wasn't a criminal action taken. There was never really a lawsuit that kind of exposed any of the things that kind of went on in that situation. I think that we're probably heading towards that. And obviously I'm not going to be overly satisfied or overly thrilled that that's what the ultimate result's going to be. But boy, it really does seem like all the signs are pointing in that direction. You know, it's what's going to happen is here's my prediction, right? I think you're right. I think there'll be a settlement made. The Hawks will admit, uh, I don't know, like negligence, right? Or like we should have been more aware or something. It'll be worded very well. That will appear to be them taking blame, but not them legally taking blame. I think you'll see some symbolic layoffs, right? Like you might see. Someone in HR, you know, who knows what it could be, but I think they'll do something symbolic to say, oh, there's been discipline handed out, but I don't think it's going to be Stan Bowman. Uh, and, and the reality is when these goals start getting scored and Mark Andre Fleury starts shutting people out and Jonathan Taves is back and the Hawks are a, a playoff competitor again, people are going to forget and it's just going to disappear and I'm going to be guilty of it. I'm not going to speak for you, but we're just, it's just the way things go. It's when yeah. people in power get in trouble, nothing seems to happen. I mean, there is so much evidence of that over the last mm, estimating about five years, right? <laughs> Where no matter how blatant, no matter how horrible, no matter how like, oh my God, it's happening in front of your face, nothing seems to happen. And I and I feel like that's going to be sort of the same outcome here. So um, and I know, look, a lot of Hawks fans are struggling with their fandom. Like, do they want to keep supporting this team? And I get that. I'm never going to tell anyone like, nope, you need to remain loyal or you're a bad fan. I get it. But how many people were going to like you mentioned, how many people are going to say, I'm going to support the Hurricanes now. And then day one of free agency, they couldn't move fast enough to sign Tony D'Angelo. Yep. Right. It just every team's going to break your heart. And remember, you're rooting for laundry. <laughs> That's really Basically. what it is. That's really what it is. You're rooting for laundry. Well, the great thing about uh, sports fandom is that you don't owe ownership or the team or the players or whatever. You don't owe them jack shit. You do whatever you want in terms of fandom. And yeah, there will be people out there who might judge you for it. But I think ultimately, at the end of the day, the only person that you have to account for and kind of be accountable to is yourself. And if you are able to kind of compartmentalize these accusations and what goes on on the ice, then I think that's totally fine. And I totally, totally get that, you know, based on the way we've experienced the Patrick Kane situation with the Blackhawks or all this Chapman and Addison Russell with yeah. the Cubs. I mean, th there are ample opportunities that we've had as Chicago sports fans to have to kind of deal with this and to kind of compartmentalize it. And however you end up doing that in your head and whatever conclusion you end up coming to as a result of that thought process, I absolutely think that you should stick by it and you shouldn't be judged for it. Yeah. Well said, buddy. I don't know if I can say it better than you. Let's cleanse the palate. Let's tell our friends about Fry the Coop. Frythecoop.com. Oh, oh, you mean burn the palate off. <laughs> Just yeah, like singe, <laughs> scorch your palate <laughs> and fry the coop. But the best Nashville hot chicken you'll ever have. Tenders, sandwiches, uh, chicken and waffles, the donut chicken sandwich. They've got a great craft beer menu. There's a location near you if you're in the Chicagoland area. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights. 
Tinley Park. Fry the Coop is one of my favorite places in the world. It is an absolute go-to for me. And look, if hot's not your thing, they've got options. You can get the mild, you can get the country, which has no, no seasoning or sauce on it at all. Just plain old chicken, whatever you get at Fry the Coop. Whether you want to melt your face off or you, whether you want no, no spice at all, you're going to love it. Go to frythecoop.com, place your order online. You can pick it up there. You can dine in. All the options exist for you. Again, Oakland, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. All right, James, I don't know you know, how much more news is going to happen with the Hawks on ice in terms of this offseason. You sort of mentioned it. They're under the cap. The roster seems to be pretty much set. I don't know. I still feel like there's a chance something could happen with Dylan Strome, but again, why not just keep him around and use him for leverage at the trade deadline? Flip him for Maybe. a pick. Everyone's you know looking for a 23-year-old center, right? <laughs> well, next next podcast, we can maybe talk about the uh, return of Nacho Fries to Taco Bell. Oh, wait, that's your other show. Uh, no, I'll do that, too. By the way, I uh, have a couple guest opportunities that could be coming up. Uh, Ken Simpson is getting more comfortable with the Blackhawks uh, lawsuit, so we might put him on soon. Also, a sports agent Pete Rutili is a friend of mine, and I said, hey, you know what would be a cool podcast? Kind of a behind-the-scenes of uh, the free agent frenzy. What's it like from the agent perspective? And he said he's down to do that. So look for some potential interviews as the summer rolls on here. But hockey is closer than you think. And how about this, James? The Bears play in 10 days. Duh, Bears. Bears. The Bears. All right. Everybody, have a good week. Have a good weekend. Take care of yourselves. Keep wearing your masks. I know it sucks. Get vaccinated. I don't care. Be mad at me. Get vaccinated, jerks. All right. We love you. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check out our Tee Public sale going on throughout the rest of the week. Check the link in our bio. Talk to you next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sinsin Law Group. All right. Good shit. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.